2: Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here continuing our series of camp questions for the Baltimore Ravens entering their training camp, which starts next week. And today we're going to talk about the safety position with our friend Vas Laricos from Baltimore Beatdown. Vas, how are you
3: doing? I'm doing very well, Ken. Looking forward to training camp just around the corner now. Also excited to talk about this safety group. Very excited to see how these players come together. If you're looking for a reason Why the the, uh, 2019 formula, the Ravens can improve upon that in the postseason, I think safety is the answer.
2: That's great, and uh, I would agree. The Ravens' strongest position probably after the uh, drafting of Kyle Hamilton. They're really deep one through five at safety. I think there will be five guys who make it. Uh, and we'll be a little clear here, Brandon Stevens, we've treated as a cornerback. We can talk about him to whatever degree you'd like, Voss, but I think that's where he'll end up. Our Darius Washington, I think, fighting for that slot corner uh, spot with Pepe Williams, so we'll see how that goes. Um, were you on those guys? Maybe we start with them and just talk briefly. Sure.
3: I think Stevens has a spot on the roster secured, being a recent high draft pick. I do consider him a boundary cornerback at this point. He's actually listed at corner on the team's website currently. So um, I think it is a little bit nice to have potentially a player who can be an emergency depth safety if you needed him, but he's considered a cornerback in Stevens. Um Washington is perhaps a little bit of a different case. I I agree that he is most likely at... You know, five foot eight, one 176 pounds with 10 percentile speed. I don't think that's a guy you want on the back end necessarily. And I think he's going to need a strong uh, training camp and preseason to make the team. He dressed for three games last season. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a log jam on the defensive side of the ball. If you're going to carry 25 on defense, that probably leaves room for either 10 or 11 total defensive backs um, most likely 10 unless they only carry five D linemen. Um, so you start running out of roster spots pretty quickly with, uh, with Peters and Marlowe and Stevens and the two draft picks and Kyle Fuller. Um, if all those guys make the team, there isn't maybe there isn't a spot for Washington. But I think this, the five at safety, the, the true safeties are pretty well defined at this point.
2: Yeah, one one of the great things is that uh, a lot of depth problems and a lot of uh, heavy roster problems are solved by injuries. It's not mm-hmm. really a great thing; it's a terrible thing. But uh, so they'll have those, and and uh, somebody will be sent to IR or gone for the season during camp, and and that'll that'll open a spot maybe that somebody won't be, be ready to play in the case of, you know, maybe Marcus Peters. Uh, there's other players on the defense like Tyus Bowser or David Ajabo and whatnot, who might not be ready to, to, to start the season. And we'd be concerned about that. Uh, so there are, there are spots. And then there's the Ravens roster games, which mm-hmm. also will allow them to stash, you know, three to four additional players that they want to bring back at some point during the year. It's an ideal place to stash a player like Washington, who you like, but you don't have Roma for at the beginning of the season. You, you stick him on, the, um, on IR, and you can bring eight guys back from that during the season. So uh, have to wait four weeks. He wouldn't be able to play until week five, but it would be something. And The Ravens have a number of guys in Urban and Jefferson and uh, some others who are veterans who could be handshake deals that are, that are easy enough to, to make that work.
3: Yes, the Ravens are the masters of playing that game for sure. It's more not who's going to make the 53. It's more who's going to make the week one roster, it seems, is really the better way to predict it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we'll, we'll talk about the about who are the true safeties right now. By the way, he's at uh on Twitter. I don't think we mentioned that earlier. Sorry about that, Vas, but always very important. We'll make sure we get to all the things you got your fingers in at the end of the show, but I'm interested to hear that as well. Uh let's talk about the about the starting five and I guess we'll start uh, with Marcus Williams the big acquisition during the offseason five years 70 million uh, the Ravens uh, first big dip in uh, in the free agency safety market since uh, Thomas
3: uh, I am extreme I was extremely pleased remain extremely excited about this player he was a player that I personally wanted the Ravens to acquire two off seasons ago before the uh, New Orleans Saints uh, put the, slap the franchise tag on him. I think he is, in my view, the marquee free agent available this cycle. Um, 14 million dollars per season, which is only the eighth highest paid safety in the league. So a little bit of a discount. And if we think back through it, certainly the Ravens had paid for veteran safeties in the past. Whether it was Rod Woodson, who began at corner but then became a safety, Eric Weddle, Earl Thomas, etc. But 26-year-old player just entering his second contract is not a market that they're usually active in. So uh, I really think the stars aligned with this acquisition and just an extremely high-end player. Pro Football Focus uh, today released their list. He's the 45th best player in the NFL, according to PFF, with the highest three-year grade average for any safety in the league. Um, he's also been on top five lists for free safety from the Athletic, the Ringer, pretty much most of the uh, the trusted sites. So I'm really excited to see what he can bring to this
2: defense. Uh, as I am, a, a great guy to add to a back end, particularly one that's already strong. Um, and just love the possibility of having two free safeties on the same team, two guys who can uh, play games as the robber. Each move down in the box if they're if they're high, and Ed Clark can be that guy as well, frankly. But but Hamilton and and uh, Williams have uh, outstanding instincts, and and uh, in in Williams' case, outstanding speed for the back end, and, and that'll be uh, uh, you know something the Ravens should use to create a lot more turnovers this year. Uh, one of the things I keep just thinking about all the time is how great this team is going to be with the lead potentially that they should be a team that creates a lot of turnovers in games where the other team is forced to pass and the Ravens know it's coming uh, lots of opportunity to set up uh, you know zone defense when they want uh, play games with a robber but having four guys you can throw across in you know, three of those in some order in uh, Humphrey and Peters and, and Williams and Hamilton. Is an awfully strong back end in terms of getting eyes to look at the football and zone defense, uh, or you know, if you're if you're playing man with a with a cover two, that's that's a hell of a back end as well.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Williams has 15 interceptions and 38 pass defense in 76 NFL games. Um, really, some of the best range in the entire league. I think you can play single high with him legitimately, which is something the Ravens have not been able to do. Really, since Ed Reed and Ozzie Newsome, for years at the State of the Ravens press conference in the in the middle, you know, two thousand fourteen, would say we need to find someone with range. They finally did. Um, cover two, obviously, it helps to have a guy with better range as to, to be the uh, the deep center fielder in cover three looks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think he's a chess piece, really, and he's going to be a force multiplier on this defense.
2: Yeah, I I agree that he, he can be used different ways on the back end, particularly if you want to come down to Rob. But I I hope they don't use him as the real versatile safety like they did with Thomas and kind of hide some weaknesses or put other guys on the back end by bringing off up to be a pass rusher. I think that's kind of fish out of water stuff. You know, four times a season, no problem. But if but if you're if you're doing it four times a game, to me, that's too much for for a player like him. I I, I really want him. It kind of avoiding unnecessary tackling. Be the tackler on the back end, of course, because that's what the free safety does, you know. But and, and be the grid range guy who can who can um, try different bracket techniques. I want a guy who can either, as appropriate, be a guy who really presses the bracket. And, uh, and hits the receiver to try and knock the ball loose or plays for the overthrow. And that should be done situationally, and, and good free safeties know how to do it. Reed certainly did in terms of being a guy who just lurked for that overthrow, loved to look for it, loved to look for tip balls. And hopefully are getting that from from Marcus Williams in terms of the back end.
3: Absolutely. You know, there's only a handful of players at any given time that really can be that single high free safety and excel there in the league. And now you have one, you don't want to use him differently because it's just such a rare and valuable skill set. Um, But he's also a sound tackler. He's a short tackler. Um, He he has a lot of upside. And again, 26 years old. I mean, it's a five-year deal. Usually when they sign a player to a five-year deal, you expect three or four. You could easily see him playing out all five years and maybe even getting another contract after that, a small contract. And potentially being one of the only non-homegrown players, eventually don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But he has, I think, ring of honor uh, potential.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's legitimately possible. Rod Woodson made the Ring of Honor in a in a five year stint with the Ravens, so it's certainly uh, four four year stint. Yeah, or five year stint.
3: Four, I believe. McCrary, four, okay. McCrary, I think had five, if
2: not okay. six. All right, so there's, there's been guys who've done it in shorter periods of time. So, but he'd have to be a true superstar to make that happen, and and you know Rod Woodson certainly was. Uh, yeah, I, I even if he can, if he. We'll get a second contract somewhere, uh, you know, another contract somewhere, a second free agency contract somewhere. The Ravens will probably get value out of him for the full five years because the, the, the cap is scheduled to really blow up. And you know he might be unhappy, in fact, with his contract by the end of three or four years, and they might be pushed into it—not pushed into a place, but they might be in a place where they they'd be better off trading him, or they'd be they they can extend him or other things. But they they will have options. There'll be market frictions that will keep him here, and there'll be ways that they can that get the value of this five-year deal fully realized, which is which is really the cool part about a player like him. That's uh, that's so good.
3: Sure, sure. So, you know, they needed that match-up piece to, uh, to counter the Jamar chases and, and those sort of players that they're going to be facing. Um, and again, you know, going back to 19 just briefly, uh, maybe if, you know, they don't blow that coverage on Khalil Raymond, uh, they, the offense doesn't have to chase points. So maybe they can, they can continue with that formula with an improved safety situation. I think it's, it's possible.
2: And we saw in that very same game, and to me the the turning point was the Mark Andrews interception that was tipped up and who was there on the back end, ready to ready to secure it, but Bayer, mm-hmm. uh, who is an outstanding loose bracket player and that's that's one of the things I want from a free safety period' is a is a really savvy, looser tight bracket player able to interchange and Elliot. Loved Elliott, but he was a pure uh, guided missile hitter, go-to-the-rib-cage guy. He wasn't a guy who really waited well on the football for, for the overthrow. Uh, when the underneath guy had him pretty close. Mm-hmm. You know, he just wasn't that guy. Didn't wait on tips, didn't wait on overthrows. Geno Stone, on the other hand, is a guy that Ravens have who's who's exciting in that regard, and, and we saw some of it in the preseason. In fact, we saw in one game, we saw an undercut interception and an overthrow interception, which to me was just, that was very cool.
3: Sure. Do you want to go to Geno now? We can. Sure. Sure. So I will, uh, I was surprised at how well he played last year. Um, Seventh-round pick out of Iowa. He was waived, claimed by Houston. Houston didn't tender him. Returns to Baltimore. And he played better than I expected. 15 solo tackles, one tackle for loss, one pick. Uh, But 23% of defensive snaps, which was um, included one start. And his numbers from uh, Pro Football Reference, 57% completion percentage allowed. 57.8 57.8 percent qb rating allowed which are very solid metrics for a backup safety i think he can play the deep third for sure and i will really impressed me he's a good field tackler um and and he brings some some intensity some kind of like a tone setter almost uh, and good ball skills um, so I think he, he, his place on the roster is firmly secured at this point. Played 67% of special team snaps last year. So it's hard to find a, a backup with uh, with that kind of of ability and, and production.
2: Yeah, he's a uh, – I, I don't want to start with this because this is one of my problems with the Ravens in recent years is they've, they've wasted a safety spot on a guy who could play safety, but, but – sorry – he, In theory, could play safety, but he really was just a pure special teams player. And in fact, they've wasted two when they've had Richards on the team. Uh, and, and so, I'm not really in favor of that. I want the Ravens to go out and I think use every roster spot to find guys who can help them on defense or offense and do help them on special teams. And Stone Stone is a both. He's not he's he's not a pick one, pick the other guy. He's a he can help you on defense for sure. We saw that last year, and he's a four unit special teams guy. And that's you know, your core special teamers play. Kick, kick, return, punt, punt, return. So they do all four of those things. And Stone, there's, no, uh, there's not a reason why he can't play all four. Punt, return, uh, sorry, punt coverage is the one where it's hardest to fit him in, but he can be a gunner for you there. He can be a wing. He can do things that will um, uh, be yeah, very savvy players, understand what's going on. Uh, one of the things I thought was very, very telling about Geno Stone last year is that when Clark had to sit a Cita game, he got the green mm-hmm. dot.
3: Sure, and that's uh, that's kind of the big question about this group here. But it was maybe enlightening that he um, was able to carry out those communication duties so well. Um, We know they had a lot of breakdowns last year, but that was more due to the uh, inexperience and quality of
2: cornerbacks they were
3: forced to use, I thought.
2: Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think that that's where it was. I I say Chuck Clark's job last year was like herding cats in terms of what he could do. In fact, I think it really limited Chuck's effectiveness. I I don't think I don't think he had a bad year, but but I think he could have had a better year if he wasn't having to worry about covering for somebody else on a lot of plays. I hope that that's something the uh, uh, you know the Ravens get worked out, and he can uh, he can be a guy who brings you a lot of value again on the back end. I think we're done talking about Stone. Let's move on to Clark, since uh, he's one of the really interesting players in this defense. Obviously, uh, some, we see people communicating via Twitter uh, on a lot of things this year. And uh, one of the things that we saw was changes to Clark's Twitter account. And I I think it was during the offseason. I think it was actually before the draft, but I could be wrong. It might have been after the draft, um, where he, he did, didn't have references to the Baltimore Ravens on his Twitter profile page anymore. Queen changed the night of the draft at something like 1:04 a.m. You know, so it's this is one of the weird things. Is uh, one of our regular guests on the show, Kyle Barber, who's also Baltimore Beatdown colleague of yours, mm-hmm. uh, got a uh, uh, notification of that, uh, and he gets notification of profile changes on people he follows. That's really interesting, <laughs> and uh, uh, came up in the middle of the night, and and uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Patrick Queen is not. Uh, not doesn't have the Baltimore Ravens included in his uh, profile information. So, uh, you know, sometimes people you don't expect are bothered by draft picks you make mm-hmm. in a different way. So the Kyle Hamilton pick obviously kind of upset Queen because it was after that first night.
3: Well, I think uh, there's, there's good reason to be upset if I'm Patrick Queen that uh, – they're taking a player that's going to take some of my opportunity away from me, and it remains to be seen how much that affects Chuck Clark. I wouldn't, um, you know, we're going to see how it plays out between playing time and snaps between the two of them because I think Williams is locked in as your free safety, and then you have two different players that are going to play strong safety and as well as some other roles too. The notion that Chuck Clark should be traded or released even Makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, four point six million dollar cap hit, three point eight million dollars dead money. By the time you sign the replacement player, you're not saving exactly. anything, and you're supposed to be a contender. Contenders are, are should be in position to be adding talent, not subtracting talent. I believe at least. You know, I, I probably believe a little bit more in championship windows than some other folks, but that's the way I see it. Um, he's not Marcus Williams. He's not Ed Reed. He's not a rangy. Um, instinctual zone-covered defender with tremendous ball skills, but he actually is pretty good covering tight ends and man-to-man coverage. He's very good at fitting the run, and I think he made a lot of plays last season as an overload blitzer.
2: Outstanding dime in 2019, by the way. And the Ravens played a ton of dime. He was typically in that weak side linebacker spot. So it makes all kinds of sense for him to be there. To, to tie into what Voss has said, when the Ravens play 12 personnel this year, I really expect to see Big Nickel on the field. I expect to see them playing three safeties, two corners, except instead of three corners, two safeties. When I look at the two guys that, that might end up at slot corner for the Ravens, and I really think that'll be either Pepe Williams or Darius Washington. Those guys are smaller corners. Uh, even if it's Will Fuller, I don't want that matchup. Uh, Kyle Fuller, sorry, not Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. Kyle Fuller. I don't want that matchup on a tight end. I, I want to have a you know a bigger body, a more physical presence, and uh, Clark or Hamilton could could be that guy in terms of being a guy they line up directly opposite a tight end. But um, I'm probably a little bit more positive on Clark's instincts as well. I, I see a guy who, um, particularly in the low zone, is a great range. Um, understanding guy, much better understanding what's going on between level two and level three than any linebacker the Ravens have had probably since Ray Lewis. And Mosley, I had a lot of respect for. I just think Clark is is really good at it. he understands route combinations from his from his time there. And Mosley was good, and you know he had a, a, a number of really good plays, but he's also a little bit picked on in terms of being the weakest. Defender who is still out there on third down, which was unfortunate, but uh, uh, a guy I really liked. And uh, uh, Clark, I hope, uh, is is someone who will uh, seamlessly go there, seamlessly move in. Um, and I, in my own personal prediction is he keeps the green dot this year, which means he plays every snap. So he'd be playing the back end with Williams when they'll just be in a regular base look. And I, I you know, I'm hopeful that won't really be very much this year. That the, that the Ravens, if, if they lead in games, they won't play a lot of base. They'll have a great chance to leverage that real strength of the team, which is getting the third safety on the field and uh, and maybe even a fourth and being very excited about it.
3: Completely agree. I'm in favor of getting as, as many safeties on the field as possible, as much as possible for sure. Uh, looking at the schedule, there's only three games where they're really going to need to play base or a lot of base, the two games against Cleveland and the one game against New England. The rest of the teams don't have the the, um, the personnel to threaten them.
2: Even even other teams that do, if you get a two touchdown lead on them. You know, you, they, they have to pass anyway. At the end of the half, they have to pass, you know. So you have mm-hmm. you have lots of options in terms of that. By the way, this Ravens team, I've talked about how well they should play with the lead. This is an unbelievably great last two minutes of the first half team. You have this construction, this back-to-front construction. You have Lamar Jackson, at quarterback, on the other side of the ball. You have a wonderful chance to dominate the last two minutes of the half when other teams have to relate all decisions to the clock and pass as needed and and you know the Ravens back end should give them a big advantage there
3: it reminds me of the 19th season game against the 49ers where Wink just said we're going to dime I don't care if you're in 12 personnel run out the clock heading into the first half and and uh and it worked out it worked out great watch uh what's a tight game good team uh, San Fran made the Super Bowl that that year
2: yeah, they did that against the Bills as well at the end of the season. And, and that's the famous one I like to quote the yardage on. But um, they, the Bills ran the ball against Dime nine times for 87 yards. That's eight. sorry, 9.7 yards per play. But they also passed the ball 20 times against Dime for 7 yards, 0.4 <laughs> yards per play. So the, the Ravens won that exchange, and, and you know, they're daring the other team to run the ball, which is what that effectively was, uh, you know, is, is something I think uh, has worked very well. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think they can go back to leaning on teams. Good quarterback, too. You know, good set of receivers. And, uh, and it's a great way to neutralize them is to have that, that Dime package on the field.
3: Sure. I, I think what they lose uh, in, in run defense— uh, they gain more in coverage, I think. And it's, you know, Chuck Clark and uh, Kyle Hamilton and Tony Jefferson who we'll get to. I mean, Patrick Queen's only about 10 or 15 pounds heavier than they are. And I think, I know at least Jefferson has longer arms than Queen. So, um, you know, uh, to me, there's, there's no reason why you're, you're going to, you know, get gashed on the ground if you take Queen off the
2: field. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And Queen's quickness needs to be apparent. There's a whole lot of things that would, that would have to change to, to make him an obvious choice over a safety on a third down play to me. Uh, but I think you know you're, if you're talking about Tony Jefferson, let's jump to him next. Uh, he's listed now, I believe, as a linebacker, maybe on the Ravens. Maybe he's still listed at safety, actually. Uh, but I think that, that when we go to camp, I think we'll see him – Practicing with the linebackers in positional drills. I don't think he'll be practicing with the safeties. And the idea will be that when he comes on the field, he'll be a sub-package linebacker. Uh, probably a sub-package Mike linebacker would be my guess. And uh, the injuries could occur, of course, and he could end up as the sub-package dime, uh, as the dime. But, but uh, I, I expect him to be the fourth guy on the field. The Ravens have currently on their roster nobody I really like on the field on third down. Um, uh, nobody I like on obvious passing down. Nobody I like at the end of the half, and nobody I like on the field with a two-touchdown lead. Frankly, they, they, it's okay if they want to get Patrick Queen some snaps with a two-touchdown lead. It's not okay if they have him on the field in pure passing situations at the end of the half or the end of the game, where, where uh, you know he could he can hurt you. And again, I guess rotation is possible then too. But I'm just I'm I'm much more excited about having these multiple safety looks at. I think will absolutely freeze up the uh, opposing offenses.
3: No, completely agree. I think Jefferson, maybe to call in a new term, instead of dime linebacker, he's the quarter
2: linebacker. The quarter, you Yeah, know? he's the quarterback. Yeah, sort
3: of. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yeah, I think, interesting story. I mean, he's still only 30 years old, the free agent, uh, latched on with Arizona, came to Baltimore for a big payday for a box safety, sat out a year uh, after he was released by the Ravens, um, and then, latched back on with them off of the 49ers practice squad and played pretty well down the stretch. I think he's kind of the new Anthony Levine, the new co-cap in, in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's uh, – I'd be very surprised if he didn't jump in immediately as the personal protector on the punt team, which is – that's the kind of the most obvious captain of the of the special teams in terms of individual roles that you have. And uh, I, I expect him to be there, be a good cover guy, and and be a guy who – Stops errors from occurring, and Levine had a couple uh, that we talked about. We did a special team show with Michael Crawford, and, and, and the two the two plays that came up. One were uh, he he effectively avoided calling a timeout and allowed a five yard penalty occur, but prevent the ball from being snapped mm-hmm. when they had only ten men on the field once. So that was a real good one. And the other time, uh, the uh, he he and Fort both. Went ballistic on on the Scottish Hammer on uh, I forget the guy's name but the Browns punter who was a rookie out of out of uh, you know hadn't played a lot of American football uh, was dancing around in a funny way and not going through the normal <laughs> punt warm up and uh, he and Levine went just but I uh, sorry Levine and Fort went absolutely ballistic over that I I love that those those two plays in terms of just showing what a great special teamer on the field can do for you and you know there's other things he did as a coverage player that were that were valuable. We're not going to forget CoCap but he's means. great player, great Raven, uh, so much fun to watch him play. And really great to see him have that great year at the Dime back in 2018. Sure, sure. I mean, he played
3: he played cornerback. I mean, they really, um, he was that, kind of that Raven's Way, hardball, hardball, epitome of a, of a hardball kind of guy. With, between the locker room and the special teams and everything, the versatility. Uh, back to Jefferson, I think he gives them some insurance behind the inside linebackers in a way. Um, I know you just did a a show with my colleague Josh, um, Josh Reed, and he was floating the idea of only carrying three inside backers. He actually floated that in an article I edited and published Mm -hmm. for a blog too. I think that might be a touch too thin, um, but I think four is really the magic number. I don't see any way they go with five. And uh, because Jefferson really can do a lot of those same things. Um, but again, it's coming down to special teams. I guess there's a slim chance that maybe Ardarius Washington could put Jefferson on the bubble. But the fact that they signed him in February, um, to me, means what, how they value him. And it's great to have that leader, that, that team captain leadership role on the team.
2: Well, I, I, about two things I can guarantee you, and I'll make I, I, this will be my bold prediction, although it's not bold at all. This is this is the kind of bold prediction that I love. So, the, the first is that Jefferson will be caught almost 100% mm-hmm. chance because he's a perfect guy for the Ravens to have a handshake deal to make a handshake deal with and bring him back, get one other guy onto their 56-57-man roster that includes, say, 3 to 4 IRs at the beginning of the season so I have almost 100% chance to be cut and then almost 100% chance he walks out the midfield for the coin toss on the on the hmm. opener uh, as the special teams captain is it almost sure thing double in my mind
3: sure yep very well said completely agree
2: All right, outstanding. So uh, the guy we haven't talked about, of course, is the first-round draft pick, Kyle Hamilton. Another very exciting pick. Unbelievable to me that he lasted to 14. But we saw that running receivers and what caused it. Uh, The Ravens have drawn a line in the sand in terms of what they're willing to pay receivers. And uh, they may have been interested in drafting one at 14. But I think had Hamilton had one of them survived and Hamilton was the other choice, I think they still would have drafted Hamilton.
3: Yes, I was a proponent of trading up for Kyle Hamilton before Marcus Williams was uh, was signed. I thought that safety was the missing piece to bring all the, you know, the queen on the chessboard that makes all the other pieces uh, more effective. And the third highest pick the Ravens have had since 2003 at pick number 14, the others being Haloti Nada, Ronnie Stanley, and Terrell Suggs. Um, and obviously Nada especially Suggs for in a rotational role as rookies. Um, Stanley being an offensive lineman is a little bit of a different category, uh, but I really like his range and too high. I really like the option of him being playing that robber role and using that length to get some interceptions, to get into passing lanes. Um, he's a tone setter in run defense. Um, I think the two things that would really um, behoove Hamilton, where he can really benefit the team, is number one helping create more takeaways. They only had 15 last year, which was the third worst in the league. And the second being uh, helping to contain tight ends. And um, it's really been a weakness for Wink's defense and even uh, Dean P's last year. Uh, just real quickly, they were 26 against tight ends in 21, 14th and 20, 1st in 19 when they had Earl Thomas, 19th in 18. And 24th in 2017, in the last two of those years, were with C.J. Mosley at inside backer. So I think if Hamilton can improve that and take away that outlet, that quick hot read for the quarterback, it's going to help the pass rush. It's going to help everything.
2: Very good chance. uh, Well said. And very good chance, I think, that that happens. uh, uh, First of all, they'll, they'll have three safety looks. It won't be all Hamilton taking away. It'll be Chuck Clark some, I think. But Hamilton is an unbelievable length and uh, height matchup for tight ends. I mean, he's almost as big as a tight end. He has good length and, and a guy who can, uh, you know, put that kind of a interception radius on some portion of a zone defense or even underneath in a in a bracket uh, really makes a quarterback hesitate with the football, you know, to try and get a good throwing window. And, and that's when good things happen. Is, uh, most passing plays where the quarterback just drops back, look, 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 throw – those those plays have a, have an unbelievable passer rating associated with them. When a quarterback is goes back and gets to his seventh step and immediately looks one, doesn't see the guy he wants, and then he's dodge, dodge, move, that's where you get good things to happen. Right. So, um, I'm looking forward to, to Hamilton being that guy. I think he can help the team in multiple ways as a robber, coming down and eliminating routes in the middle of the field should, in a very significant way, cut down on a big weakness of the last couple of years in terms of the the Ravens pass defense in terms of bailing out middle linebackers inside linebackers on on their um, inability to affect plays between level two and three Mm -hmm. so you want to you want to erase space in the middle of the field that way and you'll create some good opportunities on the back end at that corner and other places where where you have your you trust your band coverage a little bit more your matchup a little bit more So uh, I'm very excited about it. I think, you know, he alone, he doesn't actually have to be part of all these turnovers, but I think there's a possibility he'll be um, uh, at least fractionally involved in multiple turnovers and, more importantly, assist-wise involved by route elimination in in yet more.
3: Yes, that's a great way to put it, route elimination. Um, And, you know, the slot corner is probably the biggest question mark on the team. As well the nickel, so uh, yeah, just that taking away that middle of the field when you have two studs on the outside, um, I think it really helped the pass rush, and I think the pass rush is going to be improved on the defensive line as well. Um, I really do think that this defense overall has the potential to be a top three, top five unit in the league this coming season.
2: Yeah, I I, I think so too, and I hope in terms of turnovers, that's uh, that's a place where they'll end because they certainly have the personnel. You know, one of the other things we don't talk about to offense is the offense's contribution to turnovers. And a team like Chicago, for example, is not supposed to get through a football game with, I don't know how many turnovers they actually had in that game, but let's say it was one. They're not supposed to have one turnover against the Baltimore Ravens. (laughs) They're supposed to have three or four. And the way you make that happen is is by getting a two-touchdown lead. Of course, that's a game that was started by Huntley. And that's where some of the other problems came in is by not having Lamar Jackson for some games, they weren't getting leads in the same way. They were staying in those. You know they had a bunch of one-point games at the end of the season that that you know famously did not end the Ravens' way, but uh, you know even some of their comebacks early in the year, um, those being comebacks reduces your chance to get uh, to get turnovers. So they need to play from ahead mm-hmm. as they did in in uh, in 2019, and that's their best formula to. to to increase uh, turnovers probably even better than any defensive change they could make and then the defensive changes now when they've got those leads should really make this an exciting season.
3: Very well said yep game script is uh, underrated I think by the general uh, you know fan base I think so far but just the, the, the flow and, and really the scoreboard and the timeline remaining dictates just so much of, of what the offense and defense are able to do
2: all right, outstanding. Now, do did, did we miss anybody? So, so part of the thing is who's left on the on the roster. And most other positions, they have some. The offensive line this year, by the way, very interesting. Voss, almost nobody that they're carrying on the offensive line. They have two guys, Jimmy Murray and Jared Jones Smith, mm-hmm. that are kind of these fringe, obvious third line guys in the preseason game. And then they have their their you know twelve or so guys they're they're choosing the roster from uh, a, as well. Uh, very interesting that they, they they don't really have anybody who fits that description at safety right now.
3: I mean, I think when you have a strong position group, you, you shy away from it in the UDFA ranks. Um, offensive line is, what, two and a half deep, essentially. Safety is two and a half deep, at least. Um, you know, running back and tight end are up there, too, as far as a lot of depth. And then you just get eight undrafted receivers and see who sticks there, you know, try yeah. to help out where you need it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of – this is one of these years where – I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I guarantee you there will be camp darlings in terms of the wide receiver core. They may or may not make it, and I, I just hate to see you know the Cinderella situation occur every year, carriage turns into a pumpkin or whatever mixed metaphor I want to use here, where where uh, you know everybody's camp darling is is eliminated because they weren't really even as good as whatever veteran wide receiver the Ravens might bring in who gets cut by somebody else at the end right. of camp.
3: Right. Right. It's like uh, Hard Knocks that that show they do on HBO, which which isn't what it used to be. But you can always tell that the player's about to get a visit from the Turk when they give him, you know, so a personal story right before and then they, this, the episode before. And then you know you know he's a goner at that point.
2: Oh yeah, those a good one. So they, they do a good job of choosing those fringe players in, in terms of who they think was is, is sure to make the practice squad and might make the team. And I remember that when the Ravens did it in two thousand one. They had a, uh, a a cornerback slash return man Waddell. Okay, who was I, I think I think that's a guy's name and, and he was all excited because he made the initial fifty three and then he got cut in the week between the fifty three man, man roster decision at camp. So that was kind of kind of a sad ending to uh, to his story. Hmm.
3: Hmm. Yeah. All so right. How many of them have latched on though? Really, I guess uh, Tim Patrick the Broncos' receiver is the only one, and I guess
2: James Harrison
3: might be the two in Ravens' history that they didn't properly value, potentially.
2: Yeah, oh, oh you're saying a guy who, a UDFA who the Ravens let get out of their building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to think about that one. Not um, too
3: many. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you that. They they seem to be able to identify them from other teams better than other teams can poach from, their, from them.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that for sure. Uh, Vaso. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. This is a really happy group to talk about in mm-hmm. terms of, of what's going on. The only really big thing going on is who gets the green dot. Uh, but tell folks where they can uh, talk with talk football with you and find your work online.
3: Sure. I am the co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown, a, a, the Ravens blog for the SB uh, Nation um, platform. Uh, team site. And I also am at Twitter at Vasilysbeatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S beatdown. Happy to engage with anybody there. I always enjoy talking Ravens. I really enjoy the off season and the strategy and the construction and the business side of it almost as much as the games, to be honest.
2: All right. Outstanding, Vasa. I know you and, you and I have uh, have slightly different views in terms of level versus roller coaster and in terms of uh, championship windows, but it's always fun to, to have some discussions about that. We'll find another good time to do that, I hope, this season. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'll get back to you very quickly. We're looking for narrow topics that we can go into significant depth with uh, in about 25 to 30 minutes. And I'd really love to hear from you on that. Always have room for, uh, you know, about one per week at this point with a, with camp starting to get heavy and whatnot. But uh, I will get back to you quickly. Voss, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs>